Hi, this is Ben. Bit of a different episode this time. We have now done two Bushido live Q&As with uh, members of the GCT team. Uh, we did our first one on the 29th of March in 2020 and the second one on the 25th of October. They, uh, they're both live still on YouTube. So if you want to go and check them out there, there's a Robot Dice Explosion YouTube channel. You should be able to find if you search for it easy enough. But uh, some people have mentioned that they they don't really like watching or listening to stuff through YouTube and prefer it in podcast format. Uh, and I don't think there's a whole lot of the stream which needed the video. So I agreed that I would pull it down, process it, and then put it back up again as a podcast. So I hope that's uh, useful for some people. Those of you who do like video, may as well just sort of skip this episode. Or maybe you want to re-listen, I don't know. Quite honestly, recording the Q&A almost didn't happen. There were a bunch of things which sabotaged uh, getting started on time, but we did manage to get it out in the end. Uh, It ran about half an hour longer than we intended, and we still didn't get to some questions, and we still didn't talk about a couple of things that we would have liked to have spoken about. So we'll probably be doing another one before long. We also announced at the end of the Q&A that uh, the Tabletop Simulator World Cup for Bushido that we've been talking about for a couple of months now We'll be going ahead. It starts on the 8th of November. The structure is much like a football or rugby, if you're like me, uh, World Cup, where there'll be a group stage uh, where you play a bunch of games against people in your group, and then the top two will go through to the knockout stages. There are 32 tickets available. I'd really like to get us up to 24 as a minimum. Tickets are £5, and that should cover... Basically, the costs of, uh, of of doing a bunch of things, one of which is sending people coins and things like that. Uh, there's been prize support promised by uh, both Mastercraft and Miniatures, which isn't a great surprise because that's me, and uh, also by GCT. And there's a professional painter who's also pledged his work. Uh, but we're welcoming more sponsors if uh, if they're interested at all. You can find the tickets at www.ticketsource. EU forward slash robot hyphen dice hyphen explosion. I will drop the link to both the tickets and to the events pack in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, any questions, send them to robotdiceexplosion at gmail.com and we'll do our best to, uh, to answer them. Anyway, I hope this Q&A is interesting to people and uh, we will be doing more of them in the future. Cheers. All my all my wit and all that information I I provided has uh, has been missed. Lot lot to the ether. The world is a lesser place because of it. Um, <laughs> so welcome everyone. Thank you for um, putting up with the delay. Uh, we had some tech and life problems, uh, but we seem to be there now. Gordon is uh, represented by a green blob this evening. Um, uh, we said something about haircuts, but I'm not going to go over it again. So, yeah, I'm still paranoid that people can't hear me, but let's carry on. Um, we are going to talk for a little bit about the uh, the Brotherhood, uh, that, that box set and the idea behind it. Um, maybe a little bit about winners and Ryujin, and then we're going to take questions which Ol has uh, put together. Uh, into a Google Doc for all of us. Um, so yeah, uh, Gordon, 
I figure you can start telling us about the idea behind the Brotherhood. Sure, yeah, definitely. So for anyone that doesn't know, generally what we do within the team is uh, we correlate ideas and we come up with some pretty cool concepts, I think, generally speaking. Um, and so it was actually Jason what, had a, an idea a while back about doing a, a box set that would be um, entirely mercenaries, uh, Ronin, and um, so that there would be no cross-contamination between them. We would, each member would work on a, a concept independent of each other. So um, I must be honest, at first I was a bit like, well, that's a, a bit too radical for us. You know, you might get some quite crazy ideas. Um, but, you know, kind of festered a bit. Um, and obviously we discussed a bit internally then and took the decision that it was probably a good idea. Um, and so we all kind of then went off to do our own individual concepts. Um, we had a very, very limited brief and uh, and restrictions. So it could have been open to pretty much anything, just that it had to fit within the, the Bushido world, obviously. Um, other than that, you could do pretty much what we wanted. So um, I think it was quite exciting. I think we came up, there was a couple that got, uh, didn't quite make the... <laughs> through the uh, draft stages, but I think fundamentally we ended up with a really great box set. Um, I think they work really well. The concepts look great. Um, there's some cool and unique ideas in them. And I think beyond it as well is that um, most of them have really good backstories, you know, uh, as well. So it creates some depth within uh, each character that was created and that with it. So um, it took a while. I mean, it was – Possibly what, over a year, maybe in in the works to get to where we were. <laughs> Possibly even slightly longer. I can't remember the actual initial start date for it, but um, but yeah. So that's kind of how the Brotherhood uh, got born. Um, and obviously, the idea is from the onset was that it was kind of as Hirota had travelled round through Juwa and the Empire as a whole. It would be just people that he had met along the way and, um, you know, that owed him a gratitude or service or loyalty in some way or other. Um, and so everyone obviously developed the character with those criteria in mind. Eh? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, um, it's similar to the, the Wolf Clan release um, in, in, the na- in a narrative sense where, like, it's a way of moving things a little bit forward, getting people to understand the movements of things working towards this uh, Shiho release and Hirito's return as uh, not a fat drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's been pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think I, I kind of agree. I think anything that's a narrative driven is, um, uh, for me, is fantastic. You know, I'm not generally a, a, like a competitive player. I know there's been some talk lately about Bushido being relatively a competitive rule set, but um, I'm not competitive when I game. So, you know, for me, anything that's narrative driven, I love. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. kind of adds depth to the world. It adds realism for me. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and that kind of stuff I love. So um, I think, as people will see, we've done the, uh, uh, as you said, the Open Rebellion, the Wolf Clan uh, box set, obviously Hiroto, and we've definitely got some more in the works along the same kind of line, you know, and just bring that kind of depth, that storytelling element, that cohesiveness within the war band. Um, and I think it works really well. You know, personally, I think it works really well. And I know I keep saying it, but it just adds a lot of depth for me, and that's what I like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I was um, trying to find space there to call you a filthy casual. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, Bushido's rule set is um, I don't know, I like a rule set which can be competitive, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm super competitive all the time that I play. I mean, all might, might say I'm lying out of my ass, but um, yeah. And so I, you, you could. You can easily play a, a tight competitive rule set as a narrative game, but if you just write a narrative game that's got loose rules and a bit woolly interpretations, you can't play it as a competitive game. So it's it's clear if you want a game to do both, you have to start with a good tight rule set, mm. uh, which apart from the mistakes, I think Bushido is right. We've got <laughs> a few errors for the errata coming up, but uh, the, the core of it's very well. Uh, put together, and I hope I haven't ruined it too much with the new edition. <laughs> uh, but from there, we can we can easily branch out and add narrative elements to it. Whereas if if we'd written a a very loose RPG style uh, woolly game and then tried to make a tournament out of it, I think you'd just have twenty people in a room arguing for a day. So yeah, I, I think you and I have talked about maybe uh, doing a podcast episode about. Uh... <sighs> Like not everything has to be necessarily competitively costed and things like that. Like sometimes it's nice just to have some narrative. It's the special cards where that really comes across. But like things like the knife you can give to the crab and, and you know this this sort of thing. Like, it's, I, think I mean it's the memes. <laughs> yes, but that's that's quite different from the structure of the rule set. Like yeah. fun options doesn't take away from the fact that you still yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. a tight rule set to build it on. Um, so right, let's let's uh, let's go. I've got to find my buttons. Um, let's talk a little bit about each individual uh, concept that we worked on. So I can't remember who whose I left visible. So it might be no one. So I'm going to transition. And of course, it's Alistair's concept, and Alistair's not on the call. Um, so uh, Gordon, uh, seeing as you uh, are related. Sure. You can take this one. <laughs> Talk through it. Yeah, you definitely know, Hessel. So, um, Alistair, is the, if you don't know, does uh, quite a lot of the, the fluff and the law writing and stuff for us. Um, and so when he was given the opportunity to, to do a concept, because he doesn't generally work in, with us on that, he was quite excited to do it initially, I may add. Um, <laughs> uh, I think uh, once he realized there was actually quite a lot of work involved in it, to be honest with you, I think he changed his mind quite rapidly. Now, uh, anyone that knows Alistair will know pretty much that he is probably uh, Iron Maiden's number one fan, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you will see the, the album cover for The Trooper. Um, and so that's fundamentally the groundworks for uh, the Banner Bearer, which uh, um, we did do a bit more work than that. But I, I think at the core, that's where it came from. So in his law, he's essentially uh, the remnants of the Shio army uh, that was uh, defeated. Um, and he's kind of gone off into the, the swamps and he's lived there ever since. Uh, in his mind, the war's never lost. And... Obviously, with Hiroto returning, he still sees him as the rightful heir and ruler of Jewa, and so he's more than happy to kind of throw in with him and uh, you know be a loyal servant again. Eh? So that's kind of where he fits into the whole uh, plot along the line. I think this guy fits um, into that narrative advancement thing, possibly more than all the others, because he is a Shiho 
model. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I guess like Jason, obviously, like all all of us had uh, a little input into how our models would work. Um, but Jason obviously is uh, the final arbiter of what's gonna what's gonna work in the game. So um, I guess like yeah, Jason, how did you? I don't know how how did this guy work for you? Like, uh, what was the opportunity? Uh, it, was, it was an interesting one because he he didn't send very much at all. I think he sent a picture of the album cover. I think um, I think all of us sent uh, pictures around to everyone, and all I can remember is just yeah, there's the Iron Maiden cover from it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there was more. Later. Other, I, think I, I remember he was talking about um, you know the 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 old thing about World War Two, and like 30 years later they'd find a guy in a jungle who didn't realise. The war had ended, yeah. and they had to go and find his uh, his NCO to convince him to to put his arms down because they weren't fighting the Americans anymore. Um, and so th- those were the only two things that we had. Uh, the idea for a banner bearer was in the Shiho file originally, though, so it got adapted from um, all all the samurai guys were getting a banner bearer with cool um, options for banners as in equipment cards. Um, so we sort of moved it on from there and we said, well, if he's been in the, it, it, the original thing was in the jungle, but we realized it would be the swamps uh, outside Segoya. So he was obviously one of the very few who survived the Battle of Segoya. And obviously that area is now where uh, Kato did his experiments and developed the idea for Kirai. And that's where this idea came from, that he, he thought he was going mad because he kept seeing his friends coming back and uh, attacking him. Um, and then it sort of got even worse when somebody said, no, they are actually zombies. Uh, and, and that sort of was the last straw. And he actually did go mad as soon as somebody told him that he, he was really seeing these things and they weren't figments of his imagination. Uh, really are in a horror movie. It's not really a reassuring line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's why he, he gets the, uh, uh, the, the rule about having everything causes fear. Uh, because he just he's now having the visions that he, he thought he was having before. So he sees anybody coming at him and he thinks it's a, a zombie of some kind. Um, but he does obviously have the uh, ability to get rid of those things and he's got steadfast as well, so it means he's not completely useless, yeah. even though he's getting this frightened marker. Uh, but it's, it's quite thematic, and if you can get rid of it with the rally feet or with whatever else... Um, it's uh, he's actually really good at finding zombies now. So uh, he's been doing it for the entire time that the she have been missing. Um, somebody actually asked him one of the questions about him as well. He's definitely a model that will work with the main she at least as much as he works with the Brotherhood. Um, it's, yeah, they, they, the Brotherhood aren't that bothered about fear, but there might be more added later. So... Uh, he will only get better as, as we add more models which might have lower key statistics or uh, no bravery or anything like that. Mm. Um, but he, he does work very well because, he, like I say, he was originally in the, they're just in the Shiho file as a Shiho model. So once they all come out, I think his banner will be very good and he will fit in there easier than he will fit in this Brotherhood box. Yeah, there's a, um, I guess, a sneak peek there just looking at his types. Um with the, the loyal keyword, which obviously ties in with his banner as well. Um, yeah. Where I believe he's the only model who has that at the moment. Currently, yeah. 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 
but I think people can work out, especially from the banner, that there'll be a lot more to go. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the way that you structured the uh, the Brotherhood theme is uh, it means it's, it's open ended. Like you, you can add the text to any future model, saying, "Oh, you you know, if if, if Hiroto's recruit, recruited, then you can uh, then you can go into the warband." Just uh, yeah, it allows the Brotherhood to expand if Hiroto's uh, adventures, more of them, come to light. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, even um, as far as uh, the playtesting uh, stuff, the retainers actually got another model for this box, uh, which we uh, we couldn't get a good artwork on, if I remember rightly. Gordon will, will remember. But um, I won't say anything about it because it might show up at some point, but there, there's definitely more concepts out there that can be added to this kind of thing. And obviously, even outside of the box, there's uh, Eldest Brother, if nobody else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to fielding him. <laughs> right. Who should we go with next? Um, Gordon, do you want to talk about Kendish? Yeah, sure. Kendish. So, Kendish was my uh, concept in it. Um, and oddly, as this had came out, um, I. For those of you who don't know, I do love uh, any martial arts, uh, especially mixed martial arts, but any martial arts, any uh, art form. Um, and I happened to be watching a fair bit of uh, wrestling at the time. Um, and as spirals go, when you're uh, viewing something, you tend to just you know, go in modes of pass. And I came across, obviously, the Mongolian uh, traditional wrestlers. And I just loved it. I loved the theatre that was involved with it. I loved the the, um, the, the thematics, the, the aesthetics, everything about it just really struck out at me. And I, I instantly knew that that was going to be the kind of guy that I was looking to do. So um, from that kind of as a base ground, I looked, uh, you know, further, uh, dug a bit deeper and uh, came up with Kendish as we know him. So, I wanted him to be loyal to a degree where there was no question. And so I built the backstory for him where he had essentially saved Hiroto's life uh, while they were uh, battling some camis and in it he had done good deeds. Uh, and then obviously in a short story version of it, he travels around with Hiroto for a while. They have a load of adventures together. Um, he's a very, he's a simpleton. So he, you know, he, he wants to settle eventually. Uh, Hiroto finds a, a old samurai master that's willing to look after him and he's happy to part ways. Um, and that's where they part. This is in the mainland. So um, one story leads to the other, that there's some uh, agents that are searching for Hiroto since he's the last, the heir to the Shio clan. Um, and they obviously tie Kendishin as uh, uh, an accomplice. Um, and when they eventually track him down, they manage to kill the old man that now he's, he's as a father figure. Um, and so on that note, Kendish obviously is enraged at this point and he goes to seek out Hiroto again to uh, avenge the, the man he now perceived as his father. Um, and obviously it gave me the opportunity to bring in the, you know, a slightly different look. Um, the idea was that obviously he was further afield from Jiwa, so somewhere, you know, on the mainland. So aesthetically, I could bring in the, 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 the Mongolian style and obviously the wrestling that I, I, I quite like too. So that's kind of where the, the storyline went with him. Um, uh, and I think it builds quite a depth into him. Um, I didn't actually, when I briefed it, think about the stupid trait because it's one of the ones I don't particularly like. But uh, <laughs> 
but uh, he's ended up with it nonetheless. Um, but I still think the model works. I think he's quite cool. Um, and I think aesthetically he's come out really good. You know, I've never asked for it anymore, both in concept, uh, uh, art, and obviously in the render now, I think he just looks great. Eh? So, yeah, so I should, I should probably uh, – I meant to say this up front, but um, when you started talking to me about uh, the concept of the Brotherhood box – and that each of us was coming up with a different uh, a different concept for it. Um, one thing I really wanted to try was to get a different sculptor for each for each of them to really like I don't know like highlight that uh, disparate group that merry men sort of thing. Um, that didn't quite pan out. Um, we had to move uh, one sculptor over to uh, to cover uh, for another in the end. Um, but when we brought Alistair on board, uh, this guy definitely was uh, was, was like an obvious match for him. Um, he he does big guys with big muscle groups like better than almost anyone I know. Um, and the previous guy uh, trooper that was done by Andrew, who's uh, who's done a bunch of sculpts uh, for us, um, and will be returning soon as well. So. Um. Um, yeah, I don't know, Jason. Do you do you want to add anything about his rules? Um, I suppose there's a note about stupid and his complex feet. Yeah, so that's uh, one that we should definitely have caught. But um, it will be in the errata that he can use his feet despite being stupid. Um, I, I think it highlights that uh, even the people who uh, write the game can get stuck between editions uh, because stupid didn't used to do that. So uh, no, he did not. Yeah, they just yeah, used to shut uh, models down. I think the, the feet probably also went through several revisions as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it should definitely be caught at some point. Uh, what it, uh, what, the one thing that's good about the stupid rule is, though, it does let him be 16 rice, which is incredibly cheap for what he does. The, um, the strongest rule is deceptively good for melee. It makes him an amazing melee model, even though he's only three melee dice. Um, and uh, on top of that, there's just the amount of of wound boxes he's got is tremendous for for such a low rice cost and he can only have that because he can't do scenario actions basically yeah so uh, uh he's if, if you want somebody to beat people up he's really good for that even without considering his uh his amazing complex feet that he's got <laughs> well while you're talking jason let's make it your turn oh it's me it's you. Uh, I'm going to bring your guys up. Oh, well, right, there we go. So the okay. two lone swordsmen. So, yeah, um, people have been asking about the name for starters. I imagine that that was sort of their, um, their stage name for the fighting pits. So these two, um, at, at some point in his travels, uh, Hiroto was captured as a slave and put in the fighting pits. And as a a quite proficient trained samurai. He did rather well in there. Uh, he met these two while he was in the fighting pits. They were fighting every night in uh, duels to the death somewhere off in the Empire somewhere. And uh, Hiroto decided to escape. And when he did, these guys were already outside because it turned out that they were not slaves and just went into the fighting pits anyway. Um, part of their the, the core of their background I wanted to do was to be... Uh, them to be a bit mysterious like uh, it doesn't explain who they are it doesn't explain where they're from uh, or how they can do the abilities that they've got um, 
Hiroto can't recognise their fighting style. So we don't know much about them. Uh, maybe that'll get explained in future releases or um, future models will be similar and people can start piecing things together. But for now, they're, they're just quite mysterious. Um, so they're handsome as well. <laughs> but I, I, I do really like how the, the artwork came out and the models almost exactly replicated the uh, the idea of them being in uh, in harmony with each other so that they're um, the two poses are one of them's attacking while the other one hangs off and then obviously they would swap over and uh, attack in, in turn with each other so they give the extra um, melee assist penalties uh, I like the different kind of armour uh, people have been asking where that's from I think it's it's partly historically inspired and partly just sort of made up I don't think it's any all taken from one uh, particular place um but I do like the uh, I do like the way they've come out, and I think the the rules have worked quite well for them as well. People are sort of looking at them and wondering if they can fit them in the various factions that they work for. So uh, I think they've done their job at making people wonder what they are and how they can be used. Yep, it also shows off your love of communal cards. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um... if, only they were in, if only they were in the rule book. That would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the sculptor for these guys was uh, was Mark Keenan. Um, he also did Andy's uh, model that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but he sent me, uh, when he first started these guys, he sent me some of his work in progress and he was using old uh, Kurosawa movies for references for the faces on these two. Um, whether that comes across in this tiny little render on the screen, I don't know, but... Uh, Cool on the list. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think he did a really cool job. Um, I think we've got some questions around them a little bit later, but uh, because of time, we need to forge ahead. Um, Andy, do you want to go or shall I? Yeah, sure. I can do mine. Mine's pretty simple, I guess. There he is. Okay, okay. So, Shosu. Uh, was a premier ex- or the premier exorcist of the Jouar Isles for a bit. Uh, he got called in by one of the Shiho daimyo to exercise an evil spirit plaguing the daimyo's son. Uh, it took him three nights to to attempt or possibly succeed. Possibly succeed. Uh, but on the third night. Uh, there's lots of screaming involved, so the Daimyo servants came in. They found Shosu strangling the young boy, and then someone chucked a lantern at him. And uh, then he ran off screaming into the night, you know, as you do. So, uh, being a premier exorcist, he was partially successful in that, yes, he got rid of the evil spirit from the boy, but now he's sometimes possessed by it. Um... I designed sorry that seems like a problem yep well it's reflected in every time he uses a chi feat he gets control marker (laughs) so uh, it makes there are some sort of big brain plays you can do with him and I did sort of give I did design him in with that in mind like okay there is certain things he's like removing a single control token single control marker he's brilliant at and he's 
good at removing just general annoying stuff, but uh, it will cost you to do that. I really like the way that um, it's almost like emergent how good he is at removing control tokens, but then he's an exorcist, so it makes perfect sense that he'd be really good at that. But it's not just explicitly yep. written down, it, it comes about as a result of the way that the rules are uh, implemented. Um, yeah, really so like that, that was... I quite, I was quite proud of how that came out. I did remember getting a message from Jason saying, if he removes control marker, he gains one and then removes the other one. And I was like, yes, intended. Thumbs up. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I remember when we were talking about uh, when we were all putting our lists, or not our lists, our, um, our concepts in, it was looking like everyone's was going to be a little pricey. And you were like, I'm just going to wait to see what everyone else does before I like fully, I don't know, write out my guy so that he can he can fill, but also not, not just in cost, but also in like function, I suppose. Yeah, it sounded to me when we first did our initial designs that uh, or announced our concepts, I thought everybody was going to make a essentially a frontliner type model, mm. and I realized the warband was going to have a very big like gaping hole and support section. Yeah. So I was like, right, there's no condition removal, no state removal in uh in this warband. So let's see what we can do. And then the idea of the exorcist was born. I like the idea of the flawed exorcist. Or the cursed exorcist, you know. I succeeded, mm. sort of. <laughs> I did the job. It's, it's not worked out too great for me, but... Yep, yep. Your boy's totally fine. But uh, so he met... Basically, the way he... The evil spirit sort of continually whispers to him, so he's going sort of crazy, but he's discovered if he gets blindingly drunk, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that. And... Uh, that's how he sort of blundered into Hiroto. And since he's part of the, sh the Shisen Nagoe, uh, he viewed it as sort of, this is my chance at redemption, you know. I failed that that other Shiho Daimyo guy. Let's, uh, let's see if I can make it work with this one. And of course, Hiroto Osu being a drunkard, they sort of, you know, they hit it up like good pals instantly. And, uh, yeah, if, if you want to meet Hiroto um, before he takes control of the Eagle Clan, then the best way to do that is to drink in as many bars as possible. <laughs> yep. Or we'll fight in a pit. So, but yeah, but unlike the other people in the Brotherhood, you know, he's he is part of the the Michi faith, so he will work for any of the clans of the Michi faith. So he does bring a lot of uh, condition removal to factions that usually don't have it. And because he's possessed by an evil spirit, he will work for cult. So cult at last have a really strange form of condition removal. <laughs> cool. So sure. there is further backstory. Yeah. I did write out his backstory <clears throat> like a page, but I don't think we've got time to go through all of it. No, I, I, I wonder if um, maybe we put something together. Uh, at some point, and, and, and put it out there. Yeah, um, another Juma Ring law post. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yep. All right. Uh, right, I'm going to cover my guy uh, quickly. If I can remember where the buttons are. Right, so um, I I had like three ideas. I think <laughs> um, 
one of them was pretty wacky, which was like a like a Jewish golem from from Europe or, or something like that. Um, and I just couldn't figure out a way to to make that work. Um, another one was like a, a Dutch trader or something. Um, but I just what I really wanted to do was uh, have a have a cavalry model, have a horseman. Um, Partly because it would give a very limited like test ground for such a model in Bushido, because there is cavalry obviously, but not that much, um, and no horses until now. Um, so yeah, uh, turtle cavalry, hmm? turtle cavalry, turtle cavalry, and monster cavalry. There's the bat and the nian, uh, and human yeah. cavalry. We got the drummers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the best cavalry. So, like the background that I wrote for this guy was essentially that he um, he wanted to see a bit more of the world. Um, so he 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 left his his tribe and uh, was travelling around, you know, just not a sword for hire, just doing odd jobs and things like that. But you know, the work sort of dried up. He needed the money, and so he started becoming a sword for hire. Uh, but ethically, you know, he's he's not down for killing people for money. Um, so. When he ended up having to work for a band, uh, well, a group of bandits, um, he he basically resigned himself to like, well, okay, I'm not going to kill anyone unless like they get too close, uh, and so that's where the rule around him uh, entangling people with his bow comes from. Uh, so one day the bandits decided to attack this lone dude walking along a path. Uh, it turned out to be Hirito. Real bad idea. Um, things went south very quickly for everyone uh, except for Batu, who uh, he, he was cornered and uh, he managed to fire his arrow into Hirito's sandal and just about get past. Um, and he thought he got away when everything went black um, and Hirito had chucked one of his bottles of sake at the back of his head, wakes up the other side of a campfire from Hirito and they have a little chat. And uh, Batu has uh, has served him since uh, is the idea. Rules wise, uh, he's got headshot, um, which originally he was going to have flaming arrows, but I, I just couldn't get my head around how that made sense on an, on a horse. Like you're just going to burn your horse with whatever you're trying to light the arrows. For. So um, in the end, we ended up with headshot because. Uh, all knows, and quite a lot of other people do, that I hate Rise, so uh, I wanted someone who could do something about it. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, and I thought uh, I thought the sidestep attack, but still being able to do damage, was quite a nice representation of like the hit-and-run tactic that you'd employ as a, as a light cavalryman. Um, yeah. I think he, he's, not, he's not too far from what I originally wrote out, Jason, is he? No, I think I think the main thing um, we looked at. Uh, you, you you were one of the people who gave me almost a full profile, and mm. uh, it got tweaked a bit uh, between the two of us. But uh, the main thing I think is that we made him a tribesman, yeah, which means that he does fit better into the dissension. And um, and we'll see what it's like. I think we've said we'd like to try and do a a, a sort of a more plain cavalry tribe. That's different to the hill tribe at some point, and um, you know if people like this model, maybe that can happen. From a... God, no. Hmm? <laughs> we, just, yeah, we can't see Gordon doing Gordon. this, so uh... yeah. 
<laughs> we can say whatever we like. He just, you know, he can't stop us. Um, <clears throat> just heard groaning, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he does. He does show the uh, the limitations of of cavalry in a skirmish style game because he's twenty rice. So yeah, you know, you're looking at four models if you want to take all cavalry. Yeah, I think that would be a bit he'd probably be one of the on the cheaper side. But having said that, passing strike would probably become a uh, uh, a quite a a prevalent uh, thing, especially in his tribe. Um, Banzai, unstable, and obviously cavalry would be the the key cavalry traits. Mm. Um, so it'd be nice to see how people use him if he's far too mobile. Um, and having him as a, a run-in that different people can use will, might encourage more people to play him. And then we can sort of go from there and see if we ever want a, uh, a full cavalry list at some point that's not back a mono. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what people do with him. <laughs> Hopefully they kill a lot of Kairai. Oh, we can hope, yeah. I, I'm, I'm try currently trying to write a list with him. Going back and forth, but I, you know, dissension is my latest, uh, my latest love. So uh, he's probably going to be in there at some point. Now, with all this anti-Kairai tech, after you feel death and decay is being pushed out of the meta, <laughs> we'll see. One can, one can hope. Well, now it's all, it's all skeleton meta. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with those. I'm, I'm happy to play, to play those. That's fine. Someone in the chat is asking about Minamoto cavalry with heavy barding. I I just don't see any one any horse in the JORs being able to take the weight of a Minamoto suit of armor and have its I... own armor. <laughs> um, I mean, it'd be really slow. There is something worth mentioning that um, th this guy was Mongolian based, and so the horse also was inspired by that. <laughs> Um, so he's a small horse. Um, I I didn't go full pony uh, on the sculpt because uh, I think it still needs to convey speed um, and 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 look light. That's why again he's on forty mil base. Um, you know, but like you can imagine a Western cavalry, uh, a Western knight being on like a fifty mil um, in Bushido scale. So. Um, Yes, Tony Stratton raises the valid point of how would the Minamoto horse earn its armor? That's it, yeah. A blacksmith would have to decide that it was uh, was worthy enough to be blessed with a suit of armor. One thing I will say about that, and, and, and I'm really not promising anything, but Gordon is always telling me that the samurai factions need more fantastical stuff and that uh, the Minamoto were, were mostly humans and that the Ryu, Prefecture of Ryu, are mostly humans and we need more fantastical stuff. So. Um, you never know. If we do cavalry, they might not be riding horses. Dragons? Can we have an armored oh, bear riding a bear? <laughs> like, <laughs> dragon riders would be fun. That would be great. Uh, so um, we're not planning on cavalry for the Minamoto yet. <laughs> We've got plenty of stuff to do before that. I'm trying to see if, from the chat if someone's trying to suggest names for the horse. Now, someone's saying no. Sea Biscuit, Black Beauty, <laughs> Spirit. He does have a name. Um, okay, so. Uh, it's got to be Sea Biscuit, I guess. <laughs> we'll look up the Japanese for Sea Biscuit. He's already got a name, he's not Sea Biscuit. <laughs> 
might be what you call it, mate. <laughs> Umi. I don't know what biscuit is, and Jeff. What's a rice cracker? Oh, never mind. No, we don't have time for it. Uh, badly yes. translated. Yes. Next. Next. Yep. <laughs> On so, to the next item. There we go. Um, that that's the Brotherhood. Um, so oh, I don't. Really? I, okay. Well, I, I think that's it. I, I, does anyone? I haven't missed a sculpt, have I? No. Does anyone uh, no. have anything else to say about the Brotherhood? Uh, yeah, the, the only thing I'll say is it's it's probably again similar to the Wolves. It's important to notice that they're not a starter box. Um, yeah. I, I think we might have uh, sort of overestimated our influence on that, and a lot of people have been buying the Wolves and are looking at these and saying, "I'm getting into Bushido with these because they look awesome." And fair enough. Um, Deep end. Yeah. <laughs> They are a bit more complex than just, especially these guys, because we all made them separately. So they have literally no synergy. Um, Speak for yourself. They, um, one, one model they, has some ideas. But, yeah. yeah, one model does things that the others don't. Um, but I mean, that was the point. And if you want to play them together, it's still pretty cool. Uh, or you can play them with uh, Hiroto or uh, Eldest Brother. And that gives you a bit of leeway to, to change the points up a bit. And also they do have 10 um, special cards, which might give you a bit of a glimpse into what the she special cards might be like. There's a lot of unexpected plans and uh, crazy maneuvers and things like that in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think it was a great set for pushing the, the story forward a bit, uh, letting everybody have a chance to, uh, give me a week off of profiling, which we should. Uh, uh, it's the I, most well, I was thrilled because I'm work. never going to win a Masters, so I actually got to design a model. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I think the reaction to it's been really good, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did more things similar to this in future. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. So I think I, think I just blew my segue there um, because I'll <laughs> never get to win a Masters and design my own model. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, so the rest of this release is the the winners. Um, I, ke- I keep referring to it as the winners wave because that's how we have been talking about it. But of course, it's all coming together in one. Um, these four models from which competitions have they been from? So the four models was uh, they all were masters events. Um, so we ran a an event at Adepticon. Um, in the US, for those who don't know, so the winner of that event, um, obviously our own Masters event we run here in the UK at the UK Games Expo, um, and the Dutch ran an event where we uh, gave them sanctioning as a Masters, so they got to to do, uh, develop one, um, and then the fourth one was from uh, the UK Masters again from the previous year, so. Uh, both the four uh, together. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it's quite an interesting prize, and it's always a bit um, daunting to work with people, uh, you know, because they've kind of got a carte blanche and what they're going to want to create um, in terms of, uh, you know, their ideas and their concepts and stuff. Um, Jason's quite uh, lenient as well when it comes to how they want it to work in the game, so he's happy to work with them to get, you know, to make sure that it works as they envisioned it would work in the games without breaking the game. Um, you know, like uh, Master Enos does, uh, but anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but uh, so yeah, the, 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 that was the four events that these models were based on. Um, it took us a bit longer than anticipated to uh, to actually get them done. Um, and the intention was always to try get them done within a year of the event happening. Um, but you know, best laid plans. Um, and so there's been slight delays, um, and we got to this point where we just thought they were all at a development stage. We could release them as a set um, and kind of start a clean slate. So as we go forward now, we'll hopefully, uh, when we run Masters, they'll be a bit slightly quicker turnaround in terms of when that model actually uh, makes an appearance. So, so yeah, I mean, they, they're all quite different. Um, we managed to slot them into the factions quite well. Um, I think they're all quite unique, um, and I hmm. think... You know, the uh, designer, uh, the winner is quite happy with how they came out. Um, the only one we don't have contact with is the guy that won the Dutch Open. Uh, so I hope he likes the model. Um, you know, but like I said, I mean, it's kind of off his brief, um, a bit of the law and that, that we've worked to kind of make it work um, within the cult. But, um, but other oh, than so that, I think we're really happy. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to. He was adamant about getting Laura into cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's ended up with a really interesting uh, concept. That one, uh, like coming back to life briefly, and I really like the way uh, we work with Andrew to get all the different weapons in, which represent her uh, various betrayers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I think, I mean, like I said, the, the initial brief was quite vague when we when we did get it for her. It was just essentially um, they wanted a model that could be both a Kyrie and a Barakunan. So mm. it, um, it kind of fitted just as it, fate would happen, what we were working on at the time anyway. So it was quite easy to kind of then just slot that model into a a position within the cult that uh, needed filling, if you will. So, uh, I mean, in terms of concepting, it was probably the easiest of the, the three to, to, to get done, to be honest, just like I said, because, you know, all the cards fell in the right place for her. And so. Yeah, I, yeah I, I think when we first got it, I think he did give us uh, a, a decent amount of a profile. Uh, yeah. and But... Uh, Yes, one of the things he sent was he wanted to have uh, he wanted it to be a generic model, have two, but the prize really is to introduce a new character and some background into the game. So um, it, we made it into a, a named person rather than just one. And uh, I think yeah, we I hope he doesn't mind. We made it into our uh, fourth Utah, and I think she fits really well with the idea that he had. Um, and then the. The, the, one of the main bits that he said he definitely wanted was the bit where he could try and surprise somebody and a very fast QI is something that's uh, that's kind of funny to me so <laughs> I left that in QI <laughs> can suddenly speed up as long as she can stab you in the back that's, I, I think um, my, my favourite thing that's come about since that model was released is the comparison to uh, Theresa May as if she were in Thriller <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and he really <laughs> nailing that energy <laughs> Uh, yeah, I should have given that more thought and given her a name that played on that. Uh, yeah. anyway. I um, I think we have we have to talk about Ryujin, and also I spent like fifteen minutes today rendering this video. So, so you want to show it off? There he yeah. is. Yeah. He's the uh, he's obviously the standout thing, and he's the one that took two years rather than a year to get out. So, yeah. 
it's it's probably worth talking about him. That's and he's yeah, very much an experiment. Uh, well. There's nothing much to say about him. We can just skip it over. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm quite excited by it. I mean, I've wanted to talk about that one ever since we, I got to try some of the late late playtesting, and he's a lot of fun. I, I think you and Andy should talk about this because you're the young players. But I, I just want to say one thing, which was <laughs> we also disagree a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie and um, I have very diametrically opposed uh, <laughs> opinions on the joke. Uh, when, when I first sent this uh, this off to uh, to go to play testing with anybody, uh, one of the things that I said was, uh, "This is going to be the model that most people are going to think are broken, and then play it and think that it's underpowered for a while, and it's going to sort of go back and forth while they find out new things it can do." And I think that's happened so far, so I'm pretty happy with it at the moment. Uh, but yeah, you guys have actually tried the thing. What did you think about it? For me, it was a giant, like, target magnet. You put it on the table, and you're just like, yes, it's going to get, you know, all the problems. It's just going to track them like a big lodestone. And uh, the, the for me, the price cost really distorted the way I, I built my warband. So, uh I love the model, but it's not something I, me, would like to field. On the other hand, you know, there are plenty of young players who are very keen and, and happy to, to test it, like Timmy on, on the <laughs> Discord has been trying it out extensively. And uh, Ollie is obviously a well, much I've, greater fan than I am of it. I've mostly just had it shoot stuff off the table. Yep. Um, but I've, I've been combining it with Bounty. Which I think you need, um, and doing it to Ben helps because he always forgets to take it off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got nothing. That's that's just true. Uh, although, I was going to say my, my favorite bit is, is when you do it to get tomato because he can't remove it again. Yeah, anyone who complains about yet tomato should start playing John. <laughs> just bounty on it. <laughs> Yeah, at some point I'll get this miniature, but I think I'll wait for uh, the initial wave of purchases to, to go by. I just like the idea, having seen Chris's painted version. Holy oh, moly. Yeah. Oh, he did a really good job. So did you actually sculpt this one? No, this was Alistair. Um, I'm glad because if I were sculpting it, uh, we wouldn't be talking about it having been released, I think. It, I just It, it would intimidate <laughs> me too much. Um, and he just did a really, really good job um, and was pretty patient with us going through a bunch of uh, production-oriented changes. Um, this is the first resin release that Bushido's uh, done, um, and I can't speak to like the uh, the intentions for that going forward, but um, very much an experimental thing, working with the manufacturer and uh, like talking it through. One of the good things, um, I do resin casting myself, and uh, Alistair also does a bunch of resin casting himself, so we at least had a baseline of understanding, but our resin casting is very much like short orders, whereas producing for GCT um, you know, requires a different level of expertise, um, or a different kind, anyway. So yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get one of these as well. It's, it does look amazing. Even though if I uh, if I do move back up to Manchester, I'm going to have to look at, uh, at Chris's one 
um, <laughs> mine and think, well, I can't be in them. Yeah. Is Chris's one the studio one, or is Chris's one oh, I'm just sure Chris's one? Uh, he, he'll have his own, and I'm, okay. I'm sure his own will be uh, just as good as the studio one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to use uh, disposable chocolate ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to talk. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Might actually yeah, be able I'm to not... make chocolate reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be pretty cool. Is he immune to fire? I don't know how that's going to work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. His aura makes the models inside it immune to fire. He's a Kami too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah so people have been asking about more of these. Um, I think the the thing is waiting. We'll wait and see. Um, we're, we're not committed to doing one for every faction all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> we say never again. But other than that, it, it's we we have no current plans, but we're not ruling it out either. Um, I'm conscious that we uh, we were planning on keeping this to an hour, and we're coming up for that, and we haven't even hit questions yet. Um, so uh, I, it, it seems it seems unfair, but we're going to have to leave the other winners um, behind, I guess. Like there's, there's Axiom and there's Karu. Um, at some point... No, no, let's talk about Axiom. So. Well, yeah, uh, we're going to get Adam onto the podcast uh, for an episode probably about Axiom. So, um, yeah, it's very weird there's a model in this game called Axiom now because like, that's been his like online handle for uh, the last 15-something years that I've known him. So, um, Right, so um, I think, Ol, if you can prep some questions... Um, I no doubt people yeah. do have more to say about Ryujin, but uh, we have to respect people's time a little bit. If anyone <laughs> needs to um, dash off, um, I'm aware that it's almost 10 o'clock, so just let us know. So, questions. Oh, you're, you're the question master. Jesus yes. Christ, there are, there are some questions. Okay. Oh yeah, that's, we, 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 we might not cover all of it, we'll see. Um, so, since we were um, since we were talking about the Shiho and the Brotherhood and stuff, we have a question about if the Shiho are going to be the last faction we're going to see. Are they going to be the last faction? <laughs> with, with, with some heavy hints that said first we would like to see the Carb Clan. Uh, no, they definitely won't be the last faction. That's for sure. 100% on that. But, uh, uh, what's after the Shiho is still uh, up in the air, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if anyone knows. The generally... Um, development takes a while for uh, the founding of uh, foundations for a faction. Um, so, yeah, uh, we do, I don't want to commit to a time frame for it, but I guess you're not the last faction. Eh? No. Plenty of work to be done before that happens, eh? Yeah. Next. <laughs> cycles. How often do we envision cycles coming around? It's a good question. I mean, there was, sorry, I, I, I'm just quick firing these. If anyone else wants to jump in, you know, feel free to. Eh? Um, the cycle decks, I think, um, there was never a real time frame set on them. The idea between for them was is that they would drive the story arc um, as we went forward, and so they would be themed to to each cycle, and it would drive the story a little bit further, so the cards would relate to what was going on within the the, the story arc. And that, I mean, initially we had hoped to do it every uh, every twelve months, to, but I think realistically. 
just with the commitment that goes in and the time frame, we're probably more likely looking to 18 to uh, 18 months, maybe two years on a cycle. I don't know. I mean, I, it's, again, it's one of those very difficult to put to a time frame to it because there's a fair amount of work that goes into it. It's got to, I mean, they're fun and they're cool, but there's still a certain element of balance that has to be kept with it, with each card you produce. Um, and as Jason will tell you, the bigger the range gets, the harder and harder that becomes, obviously. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. a million uh, avenues that that one card could create. And, um, so, yes, there will be more cycle decks uh, time-wise. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it was, it was planned to be every year in January, but um, especially because it pushes the story on, we need to have a certain amount of things released to tell stories about. And obviously this year has been terrible for everyone, but uh, uh, we haven't got the releases out that we were thinking we'd have. So um, uh, I think we, we probably could get back to that point, but um, I don't know when we will get back to normal. You kind of normal. need them to be seeing the table as much as possible as well, don't you? And like 2020 has just been... Terrible, a pile of crap so um, yeah yeah i mean I, the obvious one for the next i think people can work this out but um the next one's going to tell some more story about the the return of the she-ho and if they're not out it's not much point in releasing <laughs> a bunch of cards about the she-ho that nobody can play with so um yeah i think yeah, and uh hunt I... sorry what was that going <laughs> yeah <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a temple card with the hunter. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, is there a um, chat thing? We put two. Uh, we put two cards out this year that I think people haven't been able to use because we just haven't got the uh, the release out to go with. Them. Yeah. yeah. Best laid plans. Yeah. Um, speaking of carp, though, um, carp are a major clan, so they wouldn't be able to be done like the wolves as a sub faction because they don't. Uh, have failed to anybody else so that would be a big investment to do a carp clan um, I always envisioned carp as being uh, like hornblower next to the Jung who are um, Pirates of the Caribbean so uh, th there would be a difference there but uh, that's a couple of years work to make a, a faction that's distinct from all the others and uh, has its own identity so, and that we're, we're sure people want to buy so Fish uh, cavalry confirmed, yeah? <laughs> yes. Seahorses. They're yeah. horses. Seahorses. The one thing I do Can know, if we ever do the car club, uh, they are having a theme called the Spice Girls. So. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody put that on Facebook, I think it was. And I, I can't ignore that. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh. Oh, dear me. Someone ask another question. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say we, we, we've had we've had several questions about Hirato and Elder's brother. If people will actually be able to buy them again, especially with the brother coming back up. Uh, well, uh, the short answer is yes. Um, <laughs> the the current Hiroto, the drunken Hiroto, uh, was a limited model, so there will be an alternate version of him available. Uh, Again, it's difficult to put a timeline on that, but there will definitely be a version of that. Uh, and there's also something else going on around him that, uh, that hopefully, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure how many people know too much. So I don't want to actually say too much, but there will definitely be a, a him. He will be available. 
The eldest brother, on the other hand, wasn't a limited model, so he will get a general release at some point, um, uh, probably sooner rather than later for him. Eh? Awesome. Well, please don't manage to get a hero to missing an eldest brother. Um, the errata, is that a timeline? Uh, soon. <laughs> Trademark. It is, it is soon. Um, it's, I, I have a spreadsheet with all the changes that need to go on. There's, I think there's 110 lines at the moment. Um, some of those are very minor clarifications that aren't going in the document and just need changing on the cards. Uh, some of them are going in the big document. We also obviously need to get all the cards changed up with the new version number. So it's um, the errata is kind of ready, but also just needs a lot of work. Okay. Um, like the, the actual rules part is done. Uh, apart from themes affecting their own models, we haven't decided whether we want to errata every theme or just put a general rule out for that yet. So me and Andy will discuss that at some point. Uh, but yeah, the the actual changes are all there, um, and we're going to get it. Uh, that, that's literally what I'm working on at the moment. Now that I've handed over the Shiro file, is is the plan to do like an annual errata, or is it just whenever it it's necessary? Yeah, so we we used to do it every year after the UK Grandmasters event. So we'll probably stick with that. Um, I have decided this year there's no balance errata in there because I just haven't seen the volume of games. So there's no point putting balance errata in from stuff that people are posting against playing their friends in their houses because you can't even go to a club. Uh, if we have a few large-scale tournaments and we see issues arising, then we'll do some balance errata next year. But there's oh yeah, almost nothing to change. We, we are watching stuff still. You know, we... We're aware of complaints about gorillas and uh, <laughs> certain monk yes. masters who can have 10 activations and be unblockable. Um, uh, yes. These things are, yeah, we know about them, but uh, some people are saying it's fine for starters, and we haven't seen how they actually affect uh, um, tournaments yet. So we're going to play it safe and not change anything apart from the misprints that we've got. Um. Alternate formats. I know that is the. Oh, what's it called? Uh, it's alternate tournament formats. Yes. Um, yeah. We had a question. Are, are we going to see more of those kinds of things? I would like to. I think, um, as well as tournaments, I think we should do other things like narrative, uh, organized play. Um, the Hombasho format is a, a different tournament format where you play in a one by one and it's like Speed Bushido. Um, or B Bushido, uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, super fast play. Um, you can only win if your VIM kills the enemy VIM. Uh, otherwise, you both lose. So it's it's very easy to play as a knockout tournament, which means you could do it at a convention or something. And if you lose early on, you can just go off and look at the other, um, the rest of the convention. So there's a one problem with going to tournaments at conventions is that the day gone where you can't go and look around all the stalls and new stuff and things. Um, if you're going to win, that's great. If you're going to place in the middle of the field, then maybe you'd have had more fun playing a few games and then going looking around and buying stuff from the GCT stand instead. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're... Um, I don't think we've announced much about it. I keep saying we are currently revamping the volunteer program, the retainers. And once we 
once we set that up and we get new volunteers for uh, both for the demo team, the retainers, and for playtesters, we'll put out more organised play packs, which will include things like playing a narrative day, um, long-term narrative campaigns, other things like that that's not just tournament formats as well. Slight departure then. Um, dice and other accessories, because gamers love to accessorize their forces. Are dice and things like that returning? Or is that just not a production question that's possible to answer? No, dice are definitely returning. Um, well, we're hoping to have them the first quarter of 2021, but again, just the year that's been might push that slightly, um, but they are definitely dice. We will definitely see them next year, um, and they'll definitely be cool. <laughs> yeah, the, um, uh, the art side of them is is done. So. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, production, I mean, we've done... So. Yeah, it's the production side that's a bit problematic now, um, but yeah, we're definitely working that. We're working through those. Um, like I said, hopefully we'll have those kind of ironed out within the next couple of weeks and that, but, um, you know, production-wise is still a couple of months even once those are all lined out and stuff uh, so uh, we, I mean we're still hoping to early part of next year but uh, again you know just the way things are going lately you just never know when production is going to get hit or where um, and things just slow down it's just inevitable of uh, the state the world's in at the moment um, but yes is the short answer <laughs> definitely <laughs> Uh, talking of game accessories as well, we are working on a some specific game maps as well. Um, mm. Again, I don't have. I know I'm giving lots of information without tying anything to that, and um, I, know <laughs> I, I do that quite a lot. But uh, the uh, game maps are in. Again, some of the art for that is already done. Um, so again, it will be you know once we get the final art for those done, we go into production and that those. Cool. I'd like one of those. Um, right. Oh, we have a. Um, da, 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 da. There it is. Uh, one Let me just read that one again. Uh, so this is effectively congratulating you on, on managing to keep expanding the game for a whole decade, but also, it, is there like an intentional plan for keeping the game expandable? Um, yes, I mean, from the offset, um, I think when the game was designed, it was key to keep each faction unique in a way. So that, uh, I mean, you will always have some cross-faction contamination, but the idea was to keep each faction playing differently. So if you played the Jung, it felt like you were playing the Jung, and if you felt played Prefecture, it felt like you were playing Prefecture. So it was always intent to do that from the, the offset. I mean, as the factions... Have grown. I mean, uh, in both in the internal factions, also the number of factions. Um, that becomes harder and harder. But um, I'm glad that's not my job anymore. I leave it to Jason to deal with now. But uh, in terms of the intent, the intent was always there. Um, I think, like I said, it's multifaceted the way we do that. One is more factions. Uh, obviously, you've seen with the Wolf Clan now, uh, there will be more sub-factions within the factions um, uh, just to try 
prohibit first faction bloat, but also that cross-contamination you get within each faction. And so hopefully they still feel, and I, I think they do, uh, I mean, I'm quite confident that they do, that factions still play very differently and they feel different when you play it. And, I, th I think prior to the Minamoto release, some people had some concern about, like, well, it's another samurai faction who have armor. Um, mm. But they, they really do feel very different from the prefecture. So, um, well, yeah. I mean, credit for them definitely goes to Jason on that one. I mean, he did a yeah. lot of work specifically. I mean, it was in the design to make them feel very different because it was kind of, again, a, a concern for me, even when this, the Minamoto got you know, started bearing fruit and they were going to clearly be the next faction. I was like, you know, uh, how do they play very differently? And, um, I mean, if you look at them in face value, as Ben says, they are just, they appear to be another samurai faction and you've already got elements of that within the Ito. You've got that entire uh, development kind of within the prefecture, but they play very differently. You know, the, the style they play, the way you would list build with them, uh, they play uh, extremely different from one another. Um, and, like I said, Jason done a fantastic job on the Minamoto. I think they, uh, you know, by far, maybe my favourite faction at the moment, other than Colt. I'll always be loyal to the Colt. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, something that I did a lot on with the new edition as well, um, uh, especially the Ito changes to make them very different playing from the uh, the Prefecture. Uh, Ito have got the most sort of fantastical stuff of all the samurai, so they were already quite different. But I think... Uh, anybody who's played them in both editions will say that they're very different now yeah. from how either of the other two play. Um, and then obviously we have to do it again because we've got the final promised uh, samurai faction and they have to be different again. Um, when I first suggested we do them in Immortal Garden did say, you know, you're going to have to tell me how is this going to be different? So that was like the, like a, I think it was a big two page explanation of what we were going to do that was going to make you them. You could just said armor, all the armor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah I think that, that is a big a big part of it and um, the, the faction identity is something I'm, I'm very aware of when we add anything new in so like for example um, Andy's model for the Brotherhood was adding an ability to two factions I think that they didn't already have so we did have to look at removing states from uh, both Ito and Cult and say you know is this going to be a problem is this something they shouldn't have uh, yes, you removed a, a specific type from my model as well. I was gutted. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, as an example of that, yeah, he was uh, Shisai originally because he's a Shisai of Michi. Uh, but we decided that that would combo really well with the Shisai who are not the same religion. <laughs> yeah, that, look, that's... he's possessed by an evil spirit. <laughs> Strange things happen. It's not quite the same. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was that was something that, that again, it's it's kind of like the faction identity mixing with the background. There. Let's let's not have the two priests of opposite religions buff each other for just because they they have the same title of, of priest, effectively. Uh, Big brain plays, Jason. Big brain plays. <laughs> the, the search for extra keywords, I think, is uh, yeah ongoing. We, Gordon, especially, is very keen on on stopping like. Like we, we we spent a lot of time doing new prefecture um, concepts because he doesn't just want to keep releasing, oh, this is another samurai, this is another samurai. Uh, they've got a lot of samurai, and they do pretty much everything we can think of to make them do. So if we want another samurai, we have to say, how is this one different? He's armed with rockets. Sorry? He's armed with a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> 
close. <laughs> that would be different. not far from the truth. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, making sure that we're not releasing models for models' sake, but still staying on to every faction is getting the same number of releases. Hopefully, should avoid model bloat. You know, it'll all be different things and focusing people towards the sub factions will really help with that. Like if uh, uh, we've got a lot of sub factions for almost all the factions uh, thought of already. So if, if like if we wanted to release more, I don't know, Savage Wave, we could say, hey, we've got this sub faction idea. Um, you can play this and a lot of them are separate to the main thing. So it's not just adding models to Savage Wave, it's adding a whole new option without creating much more complexity in the game. So hopefully it'll work. <laughs> Speaking of background, we, we have a question about uh, is there going to be a book people can buy with all of it in? Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to sound like a politician. Eh? Yes. <laughs> yes, but again, the timeline to this is uh, kind of skewed. So the initial time is we're hoping to have everything... Uh, in layout by the end of this year, um, that timeline is gone. It's uh, totally unrealistic at this point. Um, but it, there's a lot of work has already been done on it um, in, in multiple elements. So we work in in terms of a law book, but it will also be a campaign book. So there will be campaign elements, campaign rules. There'll be some optional rules. Um, we're looking at working uh, for internal buildings, fighting within buildings or caves or whatever the case may be. Um, as I said, a narrative campaign um, and then obviously a large portion of law that will cover uh, you know, the history, the, the, the structure up until this kind of point where we're at now. Um, you know, I don't want to commit to a time frame to it, but uh, for the amount of work that's gone into it, I, it will definitely be next year um, uh, without a doubt. Um, I mean, those kind of things are always quite nice to launch at shows, uh, you know, just because it's nice to be able to show people the work you've put in and, you know, to engage with uh, uh, players and that. But, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what next year will be like, to be honest, in terms of that. So we might have to look at some alternate ways, you know, to better engage. Um, and as Jason said earlier, I mean, we're looking at some kind of narrative online campaign and, and those kind of things that will hopefully, uh, you know, better engage players without, you know, being able to go to events or shows and, and that kind of stuff. I think I think there's quite a few um, questions which are around timelines, timeframes for stuff. Um, yes. And I, I, I think... I was, like, was going to finish off with a completely different question, mostly for Jason. Well, we've got, I reckon... Uh, oh, sorry, I was, I was just going to say, uh, if, if we carry on for like another... 10 minutes and then we'll try and do another of these before long where we deal with the other questions does that work for yes. everyone yeah sure. it's all good. yeah i know i know a couple of you got work pretty early in the morning um uh, so. not that early. oh well anyway i'm giving people an out go <laughs> um so i have a question here about who's the best machine <coughs> player in the q a session and what are the thoughts of game developers when players start feeding them at their own game <laughs> I, I can kick him from this this chat if you want. Uh, well, I can tell you who isn't the best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to put my hand up and say who's the best, but 
It's kind of a running joke that GCT just stands for Gordon Cheats at Tournaments. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's the only way I can win. I don't cheat at Tournaments just for the record, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, let's just say I'm not the best. Okay, I am the reason there was an errata every year after the UK Masters. <laughs> uh, when we just, I would discover weird exploits in, in the previous designer's uh, rules writing. <laughs> I would be like, yes, this is clearly how it's intended, so I'd play that way. And then we'd turn up at the tournament and Toby would be like, what are you doing? Like, you wrote it. This is how it works. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I've never won a Masters. I've got to the final table several times. <laughs> I think three times I've got to the final table. And I, I always get beat out. But um, having so, said that... So what you're saying is by the only metric that we actually have to quantify who the best player is, you're yeah. not the best player. Indeed. But uh, I will say losing to on that final table has actually been pretty good for the game because... I'm not good at creating something. I could design in a in a confined boundary, but once you're like, you could do anything, I'm like, ah, design paralysis, what do I do? Another samurai for prefecture. <laughs> <laughs> More path tokens. <laughs> so, That's always the answer. Yeah, so like, I would have never have come up with James Hasker's like, uh, Crane Tengu at all. Mm. Like, that would have never occurred to me. Um, I'm slightly gutted I lost to Adam and I understand I understand how and why and you know so far I've trashed him every other game I've played so to play I have two for three yeah. no no we had that, that TTS trial yeah. where my alphas just smashed him it was fantastic um, how do I feel when people start beating me it's generally, it's a very interesting insight into uh, how stuff I wasn't expecting to work. Suddenly, like, how did that thing, how did it beat me is, is how, what I'm very good at working out very quickly. I think, so, I think what I really like about the, the tournaments, because I'm shit, so I always come bottom half the table, but what I really like is seeing what the different metas have figured out. Because yep. being a smaller game, you're siloed in different parts of the country and the world. And so what we're doing in Portsmouth is nothing to do with what people in Manchester or Birmingham or whatever are doing. <clears throat> so when all these different metas come together with the people from France and stuff, it's really interesting to see the different ways that I can be completely pasted across the table. <laughs> yeah, I always remember, I think it was the second ever Grandmasters where um, the, all the Swedish guys showed up with this uh, Righteous Warriors list. And they were like, it's unbeatable. Why is anybody bringing anything else? And then they all came bottom half at the table. <laughs> and, you know, they'd, they'd all played it. And it was obviously somebody was trashing everybody with it. In, in that better. And then they, they sort of brought it and found out why it wasn't the best thing. In the game. Yeah. What I find really strange is Glasgow has a very small player base, but does very well in tournaments across all the competitive games. It's It's very strange to me. That this happens. It's because you're all just horrible people. Mm. Well, you know, yes. Yeah. I also find it <laughs> funny that nearly all of, like, all of us who, like Jim and I, live in 
Scotland and you know we turn up and we're representative of Scotland but neither of us are Scottish <laughs> I come from the literal opposite side of the globe uh, so the second part it's not so much getting beaten but it's when somebody does something and you just sort of think oh I hadn't thought of that and then you have to sort of look it up and make sure that it still works alright in the rules <laughs> once that you realise that the rules are fine with what they're doing that's a big relief Right. Um, when, when they find some interaction you haven't thought of the, the, my first thing is oh my god I hope we didn't write the rules this way and then you look it up and you're like oh no we wrote it correctly so it, it works the rules can handle this uh, that's the big relief um, and yeah I think I've been I've dropped one game in every tournament I've played in since the first Grandmasters so uh, I do get beaten regularly yeah I think you came third at the last uh, last time you had the South didn't you uh, yeah, I think so. I've got a trophy somewhere. In, in, that, in that tournament, it was looking really good until about half the people just <laughs> had to cancel at the last minute because it was Mother's Day. What the hell? <laughs> it, it, it was weird. Yep, that was the, the, the premiere of the dog missile. Mm. Oh, God. All right, so how are we doing? How are we doing? We've got four minutes until my arbitrary like cut-off time that I, I'm okay if you overrule me on. Um, yeah, uh, go on, quick fire, quick fire, guys. Right, okay. Um, are there any plans for like completely different type of game, like cooperative or single-player scenario type game? So the example you're giving in here is things like exploring a Bakemono cave or things like that. <laughs> but that's obviously yes. very different thing. That sounds um, like a board game. Yeah, it's, uh, funny that, isn't it? I'm sure. Um, <laughs> possibly, yes, is the answer. Yeah. Uh, the the one thing we will say is that the campaign slash law book is definitely going to have um, asymmetrical scenarios, um, so you can you can have things that aren't just uh, the, the same objective for both sides you can have like an attacker and a defender and possibly even like a last stand where you're outnumbered uh or like a, a 300 style scenario where there's a narrow pass and you have to defend it with your two samurai against a, an entire 10 model warband um so there's going to be different styles of game in there uh, as for co-op and scenario that might be something we look at in a different format I've been quite tempted to do a little competition of people doing uh, scenarios based around Ryujin. Almost like uh, one-player scenarios where you have to take on this massive kami. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It could be interesting, definitely. Yeah. Right. TikTok? Yeah, I'm just looking at it. I think... Oh yes, speaks a community event driving like affecting the fluff. Oh yeah, we, so we've mentioned this a few times. So we haven't. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's not much point in doing community events. No, this is this is probably more a 2021 thing. Hopefully, yeah, but uh, yeah, I've, I've started work on on this. We've spoken to Alistair about how much, um, how far the the plot's going to progress in the. Uh, the law book so when the book comes out we know where we're going to be exactly and from there we're going to use a worldwide campaign in two parts to uh, to determine what happens probably with the dragon uh, little spat that they're having um, 
So the the idea at the moment is that you will play games at your local club store and uh, and at home, and you can just report those online, and they will determine the general flow of the campaign. So if there's some big battles and you say I'm fighting for this faction, then your results will help that faction win those battles. And then we'd like to do multiple Grandmasters events. And then if they get to the point in the story where two characters are fighting each other in a one-on-one duel, the winner will decide who wins. So it's another way to affect the story as we go on. Now, it might not mean that the other one gets killed, as as usually happens in these stories. Um, It might not even mean that the, uh, the, the person you choose to win comes out in the advantageous position, but you will get some input and some choice into to how it all unfolds. Uh, but that does depend on the world getting better at some point. <laughs> yeah, communal events are hard when you can't actually meet up. <laughs> yeah. yeah think... Sorry, go on. Uh, somebody was... Um, was asking about more online events, and I think if uh, if the RDE World Cup is successful, then I can't see why we wouldn't do more. But I don't know if, if we can... I'm, I'm going to jump on that, that as a segue, just quickly. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, right, we, we sort of dragged our feet a little bit on that, and um, that, that's that's me. Um, so some sort of like personal reasons why I haven't really got around to uh, seeing it through to... Uh, yeah, seeing the last few things through. So um, we will be starting it on the 8th of November. I uh, wanted to start it on the 1st, but uh, I realise we probably need to give people a little bit more time um, rather than just pouncing on it now. Um, tickets are now live, and I am going to pop up a URL for that any second now. Any second now. Except I have to remember how to use Streamlabs. Text. <laughs> Add source. This is thrilling. It's taking a while to load. Um, the, the document is still up uh, for people who have already had the link. Um, and you'll be able to find the link in... Uh, oh, there it is. In, uh, in the event page, which I am doing now. This is really fiddly. This is not how you're meant to use this. <laughs> Why has it changed that? Oh, it's changed everything. I'm breaking it all. <laughs> this is why people come to us, for the, for the professional... Oh, look, I'm moving yeah. back around now. <sighs> I, don't why, I don't know why I tried to do that. There we go. It's small now. I'm, just, I'm not even going to try and make that look pretty. That's the URL. Um, so tickets are a fiver. Um, we're going to give some free stuff out to uh, to everyone who plays all their games, um, and those will be shipped to you. Uh, no shipping. That's part of the five pounds. Um, and Mastercraft and miniatures. Uh, that's my other T-shirt somewhere. Um, I've, I will be doing some prizes. Um, GCT have committed to do some prizes and also a guy who is professional level painter but um, doesn't have a professional service has offered to do some painting for uh, a prize as well so um, we're still accepting other prizes if people want to offer them. Um, It's all going to be a bit experimental Um, 
if it all goes terribly, we'll give you your money back. Um, yeah, just want to see how it goes. Um, and uh, yeah, we will take questions on that. Um, I'll, I'll arrange something on uh, on Facebook and Discord for people to throw extra questions at us, which I'll no doubt have. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I saw a notification saying Gordon would like to speak, but I don't know if that was a, a button <laughs> mash or an actual he would like to speak. No, no, just uh, pushing the wrong buttons again. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so we we do have a few questions left in the document, but um, I think some of them are like uh, rules related and stuff like that. Um, so maybe we'll try and address them. Really? Another point. Um, oh. But uh, we've probably gone long enough for everyone for one day. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cheers for joining us, Gordon, Jason, and Andy. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Always a pleasure. Well, no, thank you for hosting. Andy. Thanks for hosting. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Sorry about all the um, difficulties. Um, <laughs> yep. I think at least one of them you can't be blamed for. <laughs> no. Just one. Just the one. <laughs> get, get, get that one level. Find Robodice Explosion at robodiceexplosion.com at rde underscore podcast at Twitter and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.